are the voyages of the starship Therapize. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Oh, I was making a list of black composers who are contemporaries of Beethoven. Ugh, Spock. What? Do you remember what we talked about? About posting on social media? Well, last week you said that not everyone is interested in APA reference post replies, and that in fact, in 21st century Earth culture, this is considered quite rude. And in some circles, folks who behave in such a manner are considered trolls. Yes. So what are you doing? Just making a, a list for my own edification. And you are not going to post it? I'm not going to post it, sir. Do you promise? You have my solemn Vulcan oath. Well, good. Now let's get started. We have a lot to cover before I return to petition signing. Hello, everyone. I am Justine Maston, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer. And I'm here to inform, but gently and with compassion. Mm -hmm. Just a reminder <laughs> to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. So, uh, what is it with you and the internet all of a sudden? Well, it's just I find that I'm spending more and more time on the internet and much of the internet is focused on activism, which I'm, I'm very much here for. But some of the activism is hard for me to sit with. Say more. What does that mean? I think if I'm being fully transparent, and if I can't be transparent on a pod, then where can I be? Um, that I, there's something about my own internal logical processing systems, i.e. my brain, that when I go on a social media platform and I see folks speaking in a way that to me feels like they're trying to move from a place of like education and logic when in fact what they're doing mm -hmm. is talking about um emotions and feelings i get very activated and my my impulse is to lean in and be like oh this person wants information and i have information oh. because i oh. am a vulcan and i could give this information and luckily i have you and our producer who will usually stop me and be like that's not what this person wants Mm -mm. Mm -mm. no they don't want they don't want information no no <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the this is just a platform to speak truth and get feelings out mm-hmm they'll speak their truth yes speak their truth and while i understand that like my vulcan brain like knows how to sit with that and process that in the therapy room there's mm -hmm. something about social media where i'm just maybe it's because it's like the written word um where sure. I go into this place of like, well, everything must be fact-checked, and that's not 
helpful for people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, let's be real. I, something I've been talking to clients about recently is, I know that you are familiar with spoon theory, Mm -hmm. but I am going to do just a real, a real brief spoon theory overview for any listeners who aren't familiar. Spoon theory is the idea that every day we wake up with a certain number of energy spoons. Like the, there's no reason that they're spoons, really. You could think of them as like, it's your energy bar mm-hmm. and your energy bar only has so many blips. Um, <laughs> but like, this is the amount of energy you have for the day. And somehow it's just fucking charming to think of it in terms of spoons, mm-hmm. right? And then different activities take different amounts of spoons. So let's say that you as a human have eight spoons for the day right? And it takes two spoons to get out of bed. And it takes one spoon to eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. And it takes two spoons to get to work in a time when like we go to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And God, you're already halfway done with your spoons. Well, that that was five spoons. Yeah, you're over. You're you've got three spoons left for the whole rest of your day. That's not a lot of spoons. (laughs) Right. And you know, you think of it that way and you're like, holy shit, people who have only eight spoons are, I mean, they got limited spoons. And what I've been talking to clients about is they're like, well, I feel like if I'm going to be anti-racist, then I have to engage every human that I encounter mm-hmm. w- with who is expressing a racist belief and combat it because that is anti-racism. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to argue with you right? because yes, it is, it is. It is part of anti-racist philosophy. Yes, that very very much meets the technical definition. Correct. And I'm certainly not going to tell you to, if you want to operate from an anti-racist perspective, to not combat this. Mm -hmm. And also, how many spoons is this going to take? And how many spoons do you have? Right. Right. Because part of activism and this does come from a place of privilege. Right. I acknowledge Mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. And also our, you know, having privilege allows us to to do the to do the work longer because we can step away. Mm -hmm. Um, Is are are you going to burn out fighting with your uncle's ex-wife's son barber or barber (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. is is that where you're gonna use your your spoons for activism yeah yeah and so i just invite folks to really just be mindful Mm -hmm. right because yes absolutely we we do want to confront racism everywhere we find it and we need to do a little bit of discernment around yeah. around whether this is going to be the best use of our spoons. <laughs> you know, when we had talked about this episode earlier in the week and we were brainstorming, the spoon theory had not crossed my mind. And I and now it feels so silly in hindsight because I think that that's like the perfect opener to this. And what we're talking mm-hmm. about today, because really what we're trying to focus on is how how can folks make activism an integrated part of their day, week, mm-hmm. 
month, year, life? How can it be sustainable? And to your point, it's not going to be sustainable if you blow all your activism spoons by getting into a Twitter fight with your father's ex-wife's barber, who's also <laughs> her son. Got some dual roles there. <laughs> At like 8 a.m. Like that's, you're going to feel exhausted and burnt out and then you're going to need a break. And you may mm-hmm. and, and you may struggle to go back to activism because then you've you've now built up some more recent experiences of it being unpleasant, draining, and hard. Right. And what if later in the day there there does come a situation where you have a real opportunity sure. to call someone in and have a real conversation that they might actually hear. Right. You know? What if you've blown your spoons? On the which I know I kind of I just I love how fucking charming that is. Can you just picture <laughs> it? Is. Like I picture it like in um in a video where somebody's just like throwing dollar bills, you know? <laughs> You're just like throwing spoons. I pictured them as like, and this is very this is quite perfect for you and I. I pictured them as like very well laid out, clean teaspoons. <laughs> And you would awaken in the morning and walk out to your kitchen (laughs) and you would lay out your teaspoons for the day. (laughs) Oh, and I bet in your in your metaphoric mind, you like keep them very nicely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But with mine, they're just the spoons are all (laughs) cracked. And (laughs) because you're just because you're always throwing them out like dollar bills. I'm like shit. I need to find my spoons. Where are my spoons? Oh, these are dirty. I forgot to wash them. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Oh man, I gotta get that back from my from my uncle's ex wife's barber. <laughs> barber, the barber son. <laughs> yeah, no, that's real. Hmm. Uh, yes. So anyway, the the reason it came up so much to me this week is because it it was coming up with clients. Yeah. You know, I, I gotta say, people think that like, we are so wise and like, we have wisdom, sure. Mm -hmm. But so much of our wisdom comes from our interaction with our own clients. Oh, yes. 100%. Like true story. There was someone earlier this week that I was working with who shared this beautiful, wise anecdote that I then you know, reflected back and highlighted how wise and wonderful it was to them. But then Mm -hmm. I kept it and I saved it. And then I used it again yesterday with a different human. And they were like, wow, that's so amazing. Can you thank that (laughs) other human that you're working with? Because of course, I refer to everyone as humans because, you know, HIPAA compliance and privacy and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I didn't come up with any of that. That was all, Mm -hmm. you know, the ripples of clients. Yeah. Yeah. So... Friends, when you see your therapist, they may be absconding with your wisdom. (laughs) And they can't even properly credit you. No, they're not allowed. allowed. (laughs) Oh, I've never quite thought of it that way. And now I'm like, that is a little sad. Right? I mean, I I do try and give credit that I can. Yes. You know? Like, oh, you know, someone said, 
Which is kind of like the the only thing I can say. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone smarter than me said, mm-hmm. I use that a lot. Someone yeah. much mi- wiser than me once said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like the phrase, someone I work with. Because it could mean mm. so many different kinds of people. Sure. That could be me. Right. Could be. And sometimes it is, right? Because I'm wise. No, it definitely is. Like, I, I, I've really gotten a lot of traction recently out of the, uh, the trust staircase. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Are people digging that? I mean, in the, in the context they've used it, the folks have been pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> so the response is that, like, woo, yes, I love this trust staircase. It's more than like they look up and they're like, you know, that really makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, They're like, I did rush up the staircase with that person before I knew that I was ready to do that. Yeah. Right. It happens. Yeah. You you were asking them to hold top of the staircase information. Right. When Mm -hmm. really they were ready for stair two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So circling back, circling all the way. Well, before we do that, for so, for those of you who are like, what's the trust staircase? The trust staircase is this idea that the captain herself came up with. Um, and I would say just like picture of a flight of stairs. And the idea is that you need to slowly move up the staircase of interaction with another with another human being in order to learn. And, or, and like in order to learn, like whether or not you can trust them. Mm-hmm. And that, and they can trust and you. They can trust you, and so each mm-hmm. each stair is representative of um, some type of communication that either you have initiated or the other person initiates. And then, based on your reaction and their reaction, you can then decide: Do you want to increase the level of intimacy and vulnerability with them, i.e., move up the staircase? Do you want to stay where you're at? Do you want to jump off the staircase and never walk up this flight of stairs with that human again? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because hashtag choices. <laughs> so yes, let's circle all the way back around to spoons and activism and folks you've been talking to this week who have said, I want to continue to be an anti-racist and activist, but I'm very tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so many of these folks are experiencing feelings of shame sure. because they're feeling like, oh, but if I'm not combating every single human I I come across on the Internet, mm-hmm. then I'm not being anti-racist. And to that, I would say, let's pause, friend. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> because... You cannot, literally cannot, combat every single human you come across on the internet who, who is expressing racist, whether overt or covert, racist views. Right. You would, you would do nothing else. Mm-hmm. Ever. Right. <laughs> because the internet is vast. It is. And I mean, even if you have a very well curated social media, which friends at home, if you do not have a very well curated social media feed, I very much invite you to take some time and do that. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, hide 
unfollow, M- unfriend, mute folks, you know, yeah. like if you have someone who's close to you, I'm thinking of someone right now for whom this is the case. And if they are simply posting things that make you immediately, as in the case of myself, want to whip open your keyboard and just <laughs> just start typing away. Maybe it's about Beethoven. <laughs> maybe it's about past presidential candidates. Who knows, right? <laughs> and if you're finding it hard to resist the urge to engage, even when you know that that's not going to be beneficial to either you or this other human, and you want to maintain this relationship, you can mute. Because mm-hmm. the other important thing to keep in mind here is that our the ways that we show up on social media and the ways that we engage on social media are very constructed by the limitations of social media itself, which mm-hmm. means that it's not always an accurate representation of us or the relationship that we have with the other person because of the artificial nature of Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook Messenger or Facebook or whatever it is that you're using. Twitter, can't forget Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. <clears throat> I was ready to write Twitter off, which might be like the most white thing I've ever said in my life. Um, <laughs> right, I know. It's important to name and own these things, though, and I do. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, June happened, and Twitter was the only reliable place to get any information about what was going on in our respective cities. Hmm. Yeah. Which does go all the way back to this idea of curating your respective feeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like it is it is absolutely okay to to hide, mute, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, mm-hmm. All the way out to un unfriending mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck you do on other <laughs> platforms. This now I'm showing that I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like on the Facebook, you unfriend. I don't know what you do on the other ones. <laughs> you just stop liking them. Uh- <laughs> this is reminding me of back in the day when I tried to get you onto Snapchat. Oh, <laughs> I still don't really understand. I, it. I know because it was like videos that don't stay, and you were like, "What's the point of that?" And I, now I, well, I mean, I gave it up years ago because they were doing such awful things with Chris Brown and and Rihanna. So that was. Oh, dumb. oh you know, I think I actually do think I kind of get it now. The because you know I do I take a lot of pictures of say my dogs. True. And those aren't necessarily pictures that need to continue existing for all of time. Like the one I sent you this morning. That's true. Of Pomeranian Thor (laughs) in blissful sleep with a sock in his mouth. He was so cute. Like the ages probably don't need that picture, but I felt like you needed to see that. Oh, I did. This morning. I did. I did. Because spoiler alert, friends, we had a a rousing discussion about anti-racism this morning at like... It was like 9.30 a.m. <laughs> started early. I, I hadn't even counted my China teaspoons yet. I was like, this is happening now. I know. And then I had I had some awareness of what I had, um, that I had just like shown up and been like, give me spoons mm-hmm. um, without without checking for consent. And so I sent an, an, apology, an apology Pomeranian photo. With the caption, palate cleanser. 
That was real good. And then I don't, I think I got that like midway through my first meeting of the day, which was also about anti-racism, but anti-racist act. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? I can't help you because I Actives, don't know what you're trying to actions, say. Actions. Um, God, it's right there on the edge of my brain that is so titled. Tired. That's what my brain is. My brain is so tired that I can't even use words. Uh, initiatives. Yes. Ah. There we go. I had a meeting about anti-racist initiatives at work. And midway through that meeting, I, I got the beautiful photos of, of the palm. And that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. It was also one of the first meetings I've ever been on since CORE where I got on and the other person on the side of the screen was like, whoa, what happened to you? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Was that because I stole your spoon? No, that was because I woke up 30 minutes before the meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's a ton of time. Uh Uh-huh. In my in in Kirk world, <laughs> that's true because you're like you're used to like flying by the seat of your pants in a way that like I mm-hmm. am not. Um, right, thirty minutes. Shit, you're like wow. I could do. I could like stretch, throw in a few stretches. I could, right, I could be showered. I could be wearing accessories. <laughs> <laughs> Probably color will coordinate with whatever you were wearing. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like I'm noticing as much as we are sort of like going here, there and everywhere in today's pod. I'm wondering if this is in some ways like a good example of the fact that you and I are at a spot where we have done some integration of our activism work mm-hmm. already, like in the way we're talking about it. We're like, then we did this thing that was activism based and then we'll talk about something else and we'll go back. And really, mm-hmm. This sort of in and out that we are doing our conversation today, I think might be a good metaphor for folks and what and how we envision how one might integrate daily activism into their lives, because it isn't something that you're doing constantly. Yeah, it is, though, an awareness that you have operating Mm -hmm. almost constantly in your mind. I remember I had one client I worked with, they put it as like the different different tabs. Like, you know, you go on the internet, you can have all these different tabs open. The, and they were Yes, I have lots of tabs open. <laughs> and that they were like this <laughs> this new level of awareness. And in this case we were working on mindfulness. They were like, I just always they're like, I'm learning how to always have my mindfulness tab up. But instead of being one of those tabs that uses like different versions of like I don't know, flash. And so it's like eating up mm. all of my memory and my speed. I've gotten practiced at mm-hmm. having my mindfulness tab open. So it's there and I can go to it immediately when I need it, but it's not taking a lot of energy to run it in the background. That was beautiful. Aww. And easy enough for me to understand. So thank you for that. Yay. I, yeah, good job. Good job, human. Um <laughs> And so, like, that's part of, I think, what's happening for a fair number of folks who are new to the activism game. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm thinking predominantly of white folks here, but it's not just white folks, Um, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm using, like, the generic folks. That Folks who are really, who are new to the activism game, part of what is so exhausting right now and what's making you use, I think, more spoons Mm -hmm. is that you are not used to having the anti-racist tab open right and that tab like using this metaphor that tab has like all kinds of old timey flash like Mm -hmm. those little hamsters that do the hamster dance (laughs) 
<laughs> Remember that weird baby? The blockbuster baby? It has, yeah, blockbuster baby yeah, there. It, yeah, it's running all of those. Yeah. And so when... You... <laughs> yeah, so if you've got that open all the time. Mm -hmm. That's really running. It is. It's real exhausting. Mm -hmm. And it's and so like what are we talking about with metaphor? We're talking about like the reality of really seeing how racist our society is. Mm -hmm. If you're not you're not used to that, and so you're seeing that every day, and you're getting used to it, that means that it's mm -hmm. kicking up all kinds of big feelings. And one of the things that I talked with some folks that I'm working with this week about is the idea that like ignoring the systemic racism of our country mm -hmm. and our world required energy too. Oh, that's so real. Yeah. And it actually mm -hmm. did and does show up for folks in all kinds of ways. One of the most common ones are like somatic symptoms. So what I mean by that are like physical symptoms. And you're like, what mm -hmm. is this? Why do I feel this way? Why do I have this chronic stomach ache? And it's not an acid. And I go to the doctor and, and, and why am I having this? Why do I get a headache every time I go home for the holidays and my racist aunt <laughs> starts making jokes at my other family member's expense? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's my head, right? Like the, mm -hmm. These are examples of the fact that it does take energy to ignore. And you got practiced at that. That became the tab that you had open. Mm. So you got to a point where it just didn't, it still required spoons, but not as many. Sure. And so now that you're switching over to having the anti-racist tab open, that's currently consuming a fuck ton of spoons. Mm-hmm. Because you are seeing yeah. how your fellow human beings are being hurt and endangered and murdered on a daily mm -hmm. basis. Yeah. And it's like the matrix. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. You can try. And I've had conversations with those folks, too. Or, or I've had conversations about that, too, of like trying to like, what if I can I go back? Can I shut it back out? Thing about awareness, though, is like once that once the light like turns on and you look around the room and you really see it. That memory stays with you. Right. Yeah, and I, I think this is what creates feelings of guilty shamies for folks mm -hmm. is I, I think there's this this push and pull of mm -hmm. when when we're talking about like seeing your I, I'm going to keep using Facebook because I'm an old lady. Um, <laughs> you, you see a Facebook post by a relative. Mm -hmm. Well, no, not a relative, because that could potentially be a useful conversation. Right. A a relative's extended someone sure that you just happen the to be barber friends with. the sun barber the barber mm -hmm. right the barber has posted blue lives matter right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you get that feeling yeah right? you know that feeling mm -hmm. and then the tightness the stomach the, drop the wave of nausea yep yeah yep 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 and then you think can i i i think the question that pops up or the part that appears Internal family systems has arrived, Woo! Uh, which if, if you are new to the pod, hello and welcome. Um, <laughs> and internal family systems at its core is 
is there's a part of me that feels like this and there's a part of me that feels like that because sometimes our parts feel differently because consciousness is multifaceted is what ifs posits Mm -hmm. and there is one leader that we call the self but then there's a bunch of other people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so there's a part that when you see that blue lives matter there's that part that comes in and says say something exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point and then this other part that comes in and is like um can we pretend we didn't see this yeah and i what i would invite if if that is a common if if this is resonating for you mm-hmm. if you're like oh this has happened to me yeah is we can we can pause and we can check in with these parts and then we can use discernment yes we can use some self energy mm-hmm. to neither pull this close to us nor push it away with both hands and both feet oh i love this this is great right can we allow if if we have determined mm-hmm. if we have discerned mm-hmm. that this is not a situation that is going to be a useful spoon expenditure mm-hmm. can we acknowledge that we are neither pushing this away and trying to ignore it mm-hmm. nor are we becoming enmeshed with it like trying to pull it so close to us that we are we are becoming a blob right because there is a difference there mm-hmm. you know and so for folks who have been experiencing that like am am i ignoring it if i don't say something i would say you're not ignoring it no you are absolutely noticing it being mindful of it and and being mindful and using your choice mm-hmm. which is the ninth aspect of the self we can talk about aspects of the self another day oh that's right yes mm-hmm. <laughs> You are using that self-energy to choose whether or not this is a time that you are going to intervene and use a spoon. That was well said. Thank you. I am also just kind of chuckling at myself because when I was typing up our liner notes today, I was like, we're not going to talk about IFS. (laughs) I hadn't planned to, but you know what? (laughs) That's the power of this model. Dick would be so proud of you. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. it just shows up when you least expect it. When you least it. expect you're it. About, you're talking about spoons and next thing you know. You're talking about IFS. Parts. parts. Yes. Um, and what I would say, like, in addition to that is that once once you've used discernment and you've brought an awareness and you see it and you recognize it and you've made the choice not to engage with, what was it? Your father's ex-wife's barber's barber son. <laughs> I kind of love that it's getting more convoluted over time. <laughs> Me too. It's really great. Um, <laughs> when you've made the choice that engaging with this human, perhaps specifically via Facebook, is not the way you want to mm-hmm. do it. Maybe you want to wait to have a face-to-face with them um, at the next family reunion. Mm-hmm. Which they attend. Which they attend. Um, in part because it's it's much harder to dismiss someone's humanity when you're looking at them live and in person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to do it via a screen. Yeah. Um, and so 
once you've made the choice that you are not, you're not going to engage today, you're going to get ready, fortify, and, you know, do it at the family reunion in 2022, because that's when mm-hmm. it will actually be safe to have a family reunion. Um, <laughs> then it's about noticing, noticing the feelings, maybe even doing an old timey body scan. So toes up to the mm-hmm. head. Or head to toes, really whatever's resonating for you. I know people are like feet up because grounding, but you know, we're we're doing the best we can here. Um, <laughs> pick a body part right, and go. Pick a body part and go. I just really tried to pay, pay attention to like, are you holding tension? Are you holding anger? What are some of the things? And if you're like, I don't know if there's a feeling at all, but maybe you notice that like, you know, like your, your shoulders are skyrocketing up to your ears. That's a physical mm-hmm. manifestation of some kind of intense feeling. So you might want to just invite your shoulders back down. You might want to unclench mm-hmm. your fists. Um, again, this is not an example of you ignoring. This is an example of you being really present and very mindful and you using discern- discernment to save a spoon mm-hmm. because you're going to probably use it later in the day. Maybe when you sign a petition, maybe when you call your governor's office. Mm, For me, that'd take two spoons. Yeah, no, yeah, that's real. For me, it'd take a solid three. Um, So if it's the day that you're calling, (laughs) you want to be mindful of that and conserve those spoons. The other thing, too, Mm -hmm. is like maybe maybe an organic interaction is going to happen with a colleague, probably over a Zoom meeting or some form of that. And they're going to say something offhand that maybe they don't realize is racist. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And you might need to do a call in. Right. Which for folks who are unfamiliar with that concept there, you probably heard of a call out. Mm -hmm. And that would be, you know, some somebody says something overtly or covertly racist Mm -hmm. and you say, you're racist. Right. Like as as an example, if I said this person is Caucasian, a call out would be you saying to me. Unless they were born in the Caucasus Mountains, they are not Caucasian. <laughs> you, you have been just holding that. And I picture it like that anecdote has been one of those those precious porcelain eggs that you have. You're like, when will I open this? When will people see the Fabergé egg mm-hmm. of my anecdote about the Caucasus Mountains. <laughs> and you were like, this is the time. And you opened the vault and you released the egg. No, that is so true. That is, yep. Mm-hmm. This, I've been polishing this one for a long time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that would be a call out. But what would a call in be, Captain? So a call in would look, so like that was more like, hey, you, mm-hmm. you're wrong. Yes. A call in would look more like, hey, so Spock, I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. but it, the, that whole Caucasian thing came out of the, the Caucasus Mountains. So actually, when we're saying someone's Caucasian, we're saying they're from the Caucasus Mountains. Mm-hmm. And if that's not actually what you mean, you probably just want to say white mm-hmm. or, you know, people of European descent or, you know, people who present as as white 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 passing yeah you have mm-hmm. options yeah mm-hmm. 
Right. And so you can you can feel the difference there, yeah. right? Because in, in a call out, I'm saying, you're wrong, which is immediately going to put up somebody's defenses. Yes. Like there is not a situation in which you call someone out and they're like, thank you. <laughs> well, yes. The only thing I would add to that is that like there's no situation which you call someone out and their first response is thank you. Yes, fair. They may fair. pause, use their own anti-racist tab, and a health, a healthy mm-hmm. doping, doping, a healthy dose of mindfulness <laughs> to say to themselves, "Okay, I I know that this person is coming from a good place. They are my colleague and friend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a deep breath and tell them thank you." Mm-hmm. Right, but that's you are also coming from a place of extended use of mindfulness yes mm-hmm. the leveled up for you know yeah right so your your average joe jane or gem uh <laughs> is not <laughs> like the first yeah. reaction is probably gonna last for a while yeah mm-hmm. and so the benefit of a call in is that we're we are assuming neutral to positive intent on the part of the speaker right right we i am assuming in this example Mm -hmm. i am assuming that you are unfamiliar with this concept right and so i'm not going to come in and be like fuck you because you don't know something right i'm going to say oh hey my friend doesn't know a thing. Mm-hmm. Let me try and and educate them. Right. And if, you know, if your response was, well, fuck you, then I'd be like, okay. Okay. There's some more work. To, there's some more work here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but this, a call in is such a great opportunity for folks, especially folks with privilege yeah. or folks who are in a, what what I think of. And I, I hope that he would be cool with it. Um, but my my lovely friend Steve, Aww. who yep, who who is a a white man, and he he does such a beautiful job of when he hears other white men mm-hmm. saying racist or sexist or fat phobic things, he calls them in. Mm-hmm. Because they're much more likely to listen to Steve than they are to me. Yes. Or or to a person of color or to, you know, mm-hmm. insert marginalized human here. Right. Right. Queer Dennis they're Hopper like, oh. with his suede fringe. Right. They're not going to listen to him. No. They're not. <laughs> but they're like, look, look at look at delightful Steve, who is this human that I respect, mm-hmm. who who is not okay with with me this other white dude telling a offensive joke right huh mm. so maybe maybe I'll cons- maybe I'll reconsider yeah like maybe I won't but you know it it made me pause it made me pause and go oh right. maybe we don't maybe we don't all feel the same way about everything yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, uh, remind me how we got to calling out and calling in. Um, you know, we were sort of do we were like continuing with the ex- with uh, the spoon metaphor that we'd extended out and talking about different ways to use discernment. Um, times when you would want to call in, 
times when you mm-hmm. would maybe want to make the choice to not call in because sometimes with like social media, social media is designed to facilitate the call out. It absolutely it is. It is not yeah. designed to facilitate the call in. Social media, similar to other systems who have some real systemic problems like the police, mm-hmm. it's not, it's a structure that's built for call out. Mm-hmm. And it's not really built for you to like, have a human connection or like a connective human conversation based on a neutral to positive mm-hmm. judgment call. Right. Yes. And I now I am remembering why this came into my head because you used the example of like in 2022 when you go to the family reunion, yes. you can finally face to face talk to let's call him Roger. Roger's because great. It's just getting too, it's getting too it's complicated. Getting t- you can finally talk to Roger in 2022 over a nice big pile of coleslaw. <laughs> that is never satisfying. No. Um. <laughs> it does get damp, though. Mm-hmm. I like a crisp. I like a crisp coleslaw. Uh, I like a crisp slaw. Yeah, so when you can finally see Roger face to face, meet him in his humanity. Yeah. And if you can hold the idea that Roger probably has neutral to positive intent, mm-hmm. not to say that he is doing good right. or being kind, right, but that he is unaware of the harm he is doing. Right. His intent is neutral to positive. Mm-hmm. He, in his mind, in his worldview. Right. He is speaking, speaking kindly and true when he says blue lives matter. Mm-hmm. And that is such an opportunity for a call in. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, hey, Roger, can we talk over our crisp slaw for a minute? Because <laughs> I really I really just wanted to talk to you about, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago when the the new civil rights movement kicked off uh, got mm-hmm. in it got into full swing and you know you posted about blue lives matter and i was just really curious what was happening for you yeah and and where are you like, on it now because it's been two years mm-hmm, right we're getting curious and we're not doing that mm-hmm. for an i gotcha response right we are this is a this is another aspect of self is curiosity mm-hmm like we are authentically wondering what's happening for Roger. Right. And Roger might say, "Well, I, you know, so and so who I care about is a police officer and they right. they aren't like that or whatever." And I just I felt like nobody was standing up for this person and so I wanted to stand up for this person. Right. I wanted to stand up for Paul. Yep. Yep. Roger wanted to stand up for Paul. And we can meet Roger at a really human place and say, I get that because mm-hmm. you care about Paul. Right. Of course you care about Paul. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how aware you are of the statement Blue Lives Matter and how that impacts people. Because mm-hmm. I hear that you wanted, you wanted to be supportive of Paul and I get that because he matters to you. And I'm I'm wondering if you understand the impact of those words mm-hmm. on on everybody who's not Paul. Right. 
And it's an opportunity for conversation. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, we cannot control how people respond. No. Roger might lose his shit and throw his crisp slaw in your face. And <laughs> he, he might. But as someone who has like been a part of these kinds of dialogues, either because I'm engaging with them or I'm sort of like bearing witness to them. Mm-hmm. This is it's a lot less like it, it's far less likely that that uh, Roger rather is going to throw down his crisp <laughs> slaw and be like, how dare you? How dare you engage me in an open human dialogue from a place of curiosity and compassion? <laughs> it could happen. Absolutely. Sure. But it's just not as likely. And this is where I want to throw out there that like, even if part of you or maybe all of you has a sense that like Roger knew what he was doing when he posted Blue Lives Matter, and mm-hmm. if and and even if part of you thinks that like he ought to know better because there's we have so much access to information mm-hmm. because the internet um coming at Roger from a call out place mm-hmm. makes it so much more likely that he will throw down his crisp slaw and dismiss mm-hmm. you when you move from a place of attack yeah. And shaming someone, you increase the their ability to just tell you to get bent. You make it a mm-hmm. lot easier for them to reject you. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I want to highlight about having these conversations with folks is that some of this is you're planting seeds. You yeah. may have this dialogue with Roger about Paul and in the conversation, Roger may be like, well, yeah, like, I hear what you're saying, but also, like, people are being too hard on the police, and I still think that, even though it is 2022. hmm And part of this is knowing that, like, you, you really tried, you really reached out, you planted a seed, and that because of the way you did it, Roger's going to have some things to think about. Mm-hmm. Because maybe you and Roger grew up together, and he is, like, real fond of you. And he maybe he would never tell it to your face, but like he kind of looks up to you because of that one time that you taught him how to fish. Hmm. This painting a beautiful memory. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is in Westworld when you're like assigning androids memories. That's right. It's happening here on the pod. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's planting seeds and, and like and really having trying to keep the faith that even if you don't see the change happen in that person in the moment in the conversation that they're going to keep thinking about it mm-hmm. yeah and you have done your part yes yeah i i think that is a trap that folks fall into that if that if in that conversation mm-hmm. there isn't a noticeable shift right that that they have somehow failed or they haven't gotten their point across. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret, friends at home. Therapists plant seeds all day, every day. Uh-huh. It is It is so much more likely that we're going to have a conversation with a client that the client will respond to with like, eh, I don't know about that, yeah. therapist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I know I know you mean well, and you're like a nice human, and I keep coming to see you, but I don't know about that. Earlier this week, someone looked at me, and they were like, you know, Larissa, you do keep 
keep saying that 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 I'm I'm changing and you highlight these areas and like I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> and I was like I was like mid metaphorical watering can and I was like, "Huh. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it we know. Yeah. We know that and this and this is from many years of practice. Yes. We we know that the seed planting and the watering and the tending all matters and we may never see the fully formed flower. Mm-hmm. But we believe yeah. that that flower will grow in the way that it's intended. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we we invite you, mm-hmm. friends at home, to remember that it is unlikely that in a single Facebook interaction or a single conversation yeah. or even a series of Facebook interactions or a series of conversations mm-hmm. that this other person is suddenly going to be a fully formed flower when they were just a seed. Right. <clears throat> like, that's just not how plants do. Right. <laughs> And this kind of extrapolating it out, I think, can be really helpful for wherever you are in terms of your awareness around activism or your place on this Mm -hmm. journey. Because I know some of you have been activists for years. Mm -hmm. And especially, I think, when you've been an activist for years, part of the practice is really sitting with this idea that while it isn't fair that you may never get to see the flower bloom, that may happen mm-hmm. and that and what you're doing still matters and it's still important mm-hmm. part of what mindfulness also offers us is that ability to think fourth dimensionally and when i say fourth dimensionally i mean like it allows us to think about time and that the world and all of its inhabitants continue on into mm. the future your ripple extends beyond your actual life. Mm-hmm. Oh, you getting a little moosey over there? Yeah, I totally am. I didn't think I would this time, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is something that you're really passionate about. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You know, what you're talking about is the concept of legacy. Yeah. You know, I think folks get really wrapped up in the idea of legacy being like, I'm going to have, well, I was going to say statues built in my honor, (laughs) but then I thought about how problematic statues are right now. Um, But but, like oftentimes legacy is is conceptualized in these terms of like these concrete monuments that will be erected in your honor. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I I did that. but I, I think true legacy is, is, are the seeds that we have planted. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. We, there might not be a clear line back to us. But that doesn't make it any less our legacy. Yeah. And realistically, for most of us, there probably won't be a clear line back to us. Like, I have mm-hmm. no idea who my great-great-great-grandmother was. Mm. Not a clue. 
That doesn't mean that she didn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this is, you know, this is a little bit of Buddhist shit right now. It really is. Because this, <laughs> this is a little bit of non-attachment. Mm-hmm. This is practicing some non-attachment to yeah. to outcomes and to being recognized. Yeah. And in some ways, I think this is a really nice segue into our next episode, which we, you know, we're going to find a way to get through because it's on politics. <laughs> oh, I'm so not wanting to do. <laughs> I this. know, me too. But <laughs> <laughs> we do it for you, we, friends at home. We do, we do, because this is part of our activism. Um, that <laughs> non-attachment, I think, can really help us in the political sphere as well. Because we can get mm-hmm. so attached to who is going to be our representative, who is going to be in the halls of power to speak and advocate. Mm-hmm. And one of the really beautiful things about this current moment in history is that we're seeing that while that is important and significant, it's not the only role that's significant and important. Hmm. Like Minneapolis is going through some amazing changes right now. And it's because of a lot of people who are showing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, like, when people show up, other f- people feel safe to show up. Yep. You know, it's absolutely there are some folks who have joined these movements be- because it's trendy that is real we can name that Mm -hmm. um and that's you know what if that's what brought them in that's fine um and there are some folks who have been thinking these thoughts for a long time but didn't know what to do with them yeah and now they're like oh shit am i not this this tiny frightened minority anymore yeah can i can i proudly shout to the you know to the hilltops (laughs) <laughs> that I believe these things because there's safety in numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then those numbers get shit done. And they demand that representatives get shit done too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They're supposed to work for the people. Yeah. And really it works when everybody shows up. Mm-hmm. And, like, I definitely will call myself out. I, for years in my adulthood, for a number of reasons that are context and not excuses, was like, Mm -hmm. I just need my representative to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And it was much easier for me to say that because I'm a white person. I was like, just, I I need them to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, like, they're not, they're not gonna... Like they're gonna they're gonna listen to the people they hear a lot and who are giving them money. And certainly they weren't me, because though I'm a white person, I've never been a rich donor. <laughs> so they're gonna listen to the lobbyist and they're gonna listen to the people who have a lot of money to support their campaigns. Right. And I'm not like calling anybody out as like I'm not making a moral judgment on anybody. This is also part of the system that we've wrought. Mm-hmm. And so part of, like, getting representatives to do more of what I want them to do, like, defund the police, for Christ's sakes, mm-hmm. means, like, I really got to show up, find ways to show up and demand that. Sign petitions, mm-hmm. have difficult conversations. 
try to enact change in workplaces that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Try to uplift other minority voices where I can. And use the yeah. three spoons I need to call the governor's office. <laughs> right. Yeah. Be mindful of, of hanging on to those spoons when you need them. Right. Because I'm not going to call on one spoon. Mm. No. The governor will You'll get an in- email from me <laughs> with one spoon. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, if, if all you have is one spoon left you're, and you still make that phone call, you're going to wind up in bed the whole next day. Yeah. And that's, I'm not helping anyone. No. no. Damn right. <laughs> um, as, as we start to wind down, since we uh, have not talked much about fandoms. God, I was just going to say, I realized we didn't talk about any fandoms today. <laughs> Um, I, I would love to just highlight Mm -hmm. a few, a few fandoms that are close to our hearts in that are, you know, activist focused fandoms. Yes. Um, we got, we got Star Wars. If, if you have watched Star Wars and haven't thought to yourself, the rebellion, those folks are activists fighting against the system. I invite you to rewatch Four, five, and six, at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Give it a good, solid rewatch. Put your mm-hmm. other screens down and just look at Alec Guinness. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Just charming. Mm-hmm. A delight. Completely charming. Such a well-groomed beard. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And just, if you have never watched it from an activist perspective, try that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, yes, there's a there's a lot to love about Darth Vader, um, but he's the man in this situation. Like he's the he's the empire, the evil empire. It's right there in the name. He also and this is not super mission critical, but, you know, (laughs) if you've already watched Star Wars from an activist lens and do you want like bonus points, you can also think Mm -hmm. about the ways that Darth Vader is a really interesting metaphor for the ways that. Um, white supremacy culture has co-opted black artists and thinkers for generations because James Earl Jones voices Darth Vader. As a small human child, well, a small sparkling child who's half human and half Vulcan, I was was very (laughs) literal, which makes sense. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I knew who James Earl Jones was. I don't remember how, but I, but like my memory is I, I always knew. Who knows? Sure. And I was, and when, when the mask came off in episode mm. six, I was so confused. And I turned to my human mother and I was like, where did he go? <laughs> oh, no. It's awful. Because that, that like wrinkled white dude, that's not James Earl Jones. No, it's, that was perhaps the most disappointing moment in all of cinema. Yeah, no, that's real. <laughs> when you thought you were going to see James Earl Jones. Then you get that and too. and you get that guy. It's extremely disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would say that the the new trilogy too also has a good activist vibe. It does. I I can't speak much to one, two, and three because I haven't watched those in decades. Because uh, spoilers, I don't like them. They. They have a vibe that I don't know if it'd be helpful for me to go into right now. So I'm going to use <laughs> discernment. <laughs> and save a spoon. And save a spoon. <laughs> I picture you just like, 
You took that, your beautiful tea set of spoons, <laughs> and you just, you wrapped one in a napkin and you set it aside. And you were like, no, no, you don't get this. This spoon's not for you. <laughs> no spoon for you. Oh, that's great. That is, that is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to do this in conversations, just like have my stack of spoons. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, nope, I'm going to pocket this spoon. Mm -hmm. Sorry, friend. Yeah, saving it for later. <laughs> this is, you don't get this spoon. Not today. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's Star Wars. Another one that is like such a, such an activist presentation is The Hunger Games. Yeah, that's real. You know, the the rising up of a people against their oppressors, mm -hmm. um, which is what I loved about both the book and the films, although I thought that the the films just did a nice job showing it to us is is the is the propaganda. Yeah, that the um, that the rebels used. Yeah. I just I I loved that idea that like okay we need to create a movement and to create a movement we need a face of the movement mm -hmm. and and so here is the face of the movement and like that happens it does and like many faces of movements she had terrible depression <laughs> she was not well she was not well mm -mm. she had experienced profound PTSD profound PTSD and this also manifested as a secondary issue major depressive disorder. And the propaganda machine was still like, you got to go out there, baby. You need to do this. Mm -hmm. And she's like, all right, well, right. what's my other option? I mean, you know, rebellions, they're complicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's not fun in games. Like, no. I, and I, I am a big fan of the Hunger Games series. More the movie than the books, mm. or the movies than the books. I, and here's my reason. And I don't know if this was everyone else's experience, but the way that Katniss Everdeen is written in the books, she is such a whiny teenager, which mm. like she is. She is a whiny teenager. Sure. I, I acknowledge that. Like yeah. that is real. Yeah. But there was something about how it was written that I just I couldn't I couldn't stand for her. <laughs> yeah, it's been so long since I've read them. Uh, mm -hmm. I so what's left for me is I remember really loving the first one. Mm -hmm. And the first one was good enough that it took me through two and three. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But I, in, in all of whether, whether it's book or film, like Katniss doesn't want to be the face of a revolution. Right. No, no. She doesn't even really like want to have a revolution. She just wants to not be oppressed. Right. And that, I think, is something for, you know, the Rogers of the world. I think that's a way in for the Rogers mm -hmm. and maybe even the Pauls of the world, depending on whether or not Paul's still in the force in this metaphor. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But that for a lot of folks who are out there marching, mm -hmm. black folks, and brown folks, really folks mm -hmm. of all the, who, have, who, are, who belong to any kind of marginalized group, Mm -hmm. One of the core motivations is they want to be able to live their lives. Right. Without being afraid that when they get pulled over, they will lose their life. Because it's fucking unacceptable. Yeah. 
And that this is not like this is a life or death issue for people. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I, yeah. I, I don't know that any of those folks want to be the quote face of a revolution. They, they just want to be able to live their lives. Right. Yeah. And if, if you are a fan of the Hunger Games and again, somehow watched it without this activist lens, rewatch. Rewatch. Pay special attention to, Katniss's interaction with Rue mm-hmm. and Rue's counterpart mm-hmm. and the entirety of that district. Yes. And for those of you who watched it and are like, duh, activist lens, the special bonus round would be rewatching and really thinking about the ways in which Katniss Everdeen plays, plays into the white savior trope. Hmm. Because that's, that's there yeah. that's there in the movies for sure. It is somewhat arguable about it in the books because in the books, um, and I like I read it this way, and I know lots of people read it as uh, Katniss being of, and this is where we get into like the minutia of race being a construct, but like it is a construct mm-hmm. and we create it and it has a lot of power that like Katniss, it's heavily implied that Katniss is of Middle Eastern origin. Hmm. I didn't pick up on that. Fair. Like, it, it, it's not it's not super obvious. Like, it's more there than, like, yeah. Dumbledore being gay. Um, but it's, it, 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 is, it is really <laughs> subtle. And, of course, the movie completely does away with that because they cast Jennifer Lawrence, who I think does a fabulous job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why bonus round, look at the white savior thing, especially with the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's legit. And, right, who are the, who are the speaking characters? Yes. And I think we would probably be remiss if we didn't, say something about harry potter just because jk rowling has been so in the news and been such an obvious example (sighs) of somebody who's not showing up as an ally for the lgbtqia Mm -hmm. community particularly trans folks in june in june (laughs) yes which if if you are not a person who pays special attention to to the queer world june is pride month this this is the month in which the queer folks had their own riot mm-hmm. where they threw bricks at police. First brick thrown was by a, a trans woman of color. Mm. So let us not forget that we have intersections here, friends. Do we know her name? I don't. Hold on. Let me look that up. First brick thrown at Stonewall. Oh, her name was Marsha P. Johnson. That's right. There we go. Mm-hmm. So what I would offer to folks out there who are Harry Potter fans, and I would say both of us are, too, mm-hmm. um, is a couple things. First, J.K. Rowling has demonstrated real bigotry, sexism, mm-hmm. transphobia, mm-hmm. and verbal violence. In, which, in the way that she has been conducting herself and in the things she has been saying and writing. Ugh. And that when you do a close reading of the books, you, you can see you can see where her own bigotry shows up. Where mm, her, say more. Um, I wasn't going to go super down this road, but like you can like, so she is falls in a well-trod path of portraying uh dwarves 
as, you know, malformed Jewish people who really like money? Oh. Oh, you mean the, the folks at the bank? The, yeah. Is it the, is it yeah. goblins? They're goblins, goblins. Yeah. yeah. So apologies, they're friends. It, you know, fatigue. It's real. Um, so <laughs> with the goblins, um, there's a whole thing with Dobby. Is that how we pronounce his name? That is how we pronounce his name. Um, so like D- Dobby and like there's there's all kinds of really like great sort of analyses of this on the Internet, of course. Um, but really looking at the ways that like Dobby is his portrayal very much fits kind of a Uncle Tom type trope. Oh, oh. Mm, that is uncomfortable. Um, and like even with Hermione, the way Hermione is is portrayed as being kind of shrill. We're falling mm. into some some unpleasant ways of representing uh, women. Dolores Umbridge, one of the professors, she's like one of the she's a big side villain, um, and mm-hmm. is often described in varying terms as being mannish. Mm. So describing her physically the way one would derogatorily describe a trans woman. Oh, okay. Well, that was all very uncomfortable. It was. Um, and so, and so I think it is important to have the anti-racist tab open here and bring awareness Mm -hmm. to these components of the books and the movies, the franchise at large. And Mm -hmm. I would also offer that we can use, um, Roland Barthes idea that the author is dead. Mm -hmm. And what our friend Roland meant by that is that the work stands on its own. It is influenced by the writer. And once the work is out there and completed, it stands on its own merits and we can interpret it as mm-hmm. such, which is part of why Rowling doesn't get to go in and do all this like retconning. No, because you judge the work based on what was written and you can do all kinds of interpretations based on what was written. Can you mm-hmm. see where the author can you see the author's personality in it? Absolutely. And the idea is that the creation of art transcends the creator. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that that's like the foundation of the work that we do. It is. Right? This is this is therapeutic fan fiction. We are we are writing the the story that is meaningful to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can do that with Harry Potter while also acknowledging its problematic origins. And I think that really mm-hmm. is the invitation when we have our anti-racist tap open. Mm-hmm. Which I am using as an yeah. umbrella term to be like anti-marginalization yeah yeah well that took a a a turn towards somber town and perhaps some of our listeners are like (laughs) wow i had to use a whole spoon just to get through (laughs) just to listen to that just to listen to that (laughs) um so what are what are some of the the gems the takeaways if you will today sir um that I like a crisp slaw. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that, that spoon theory can be helpful as you, if, mm-hmm. if you're early in the discernment process with having your anti-racist tab open or really at any stage in the anti-racist tab. Mm-hmm. Yep. How about we just do a little, a, a little journey back through what we talked about today. We talked about spoon theory. Mm-hmm. We talked about, um, internal family systems mm-hmm. where i gave you the um 
just the 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 amuse bouche <laughs> of the characteristics of the self. And I and I will now give you the rest of the C's of self. These are the characteristics of the self, and they are all C words. Um, calmness, curiosity, clarity, compassion, confidence, courage, creativity, connectedness. And my teacher throws a ninth C on there that I mentioned earlier, which is choice. So when you notice that you are operating from one of those mindsets, it's a pretty fair assumption that you are operating from your self, your capital S self, or a self-led part. Mm-hmm. Um, along those same lines, we talked about the difference between calling in versus calling out and acknowledge mm-hmm. and named that really social media is constructed in such a way that fosters call-out culture not mm-hmm. call-in culture, and mm-hmm. offered that for call-ins, often the best format via which to do that would be in person, but due to the pandemic, which is still very much here, um, you know, video, video call or phone can, mm-hmm. can be a good sub-in. Sure. Yeah. Because, you know, social distancing might cause you to yell just so the other person could hear you, and that might, might be misinterpreted. Sure. Right. It might feel attacking. <laughs> when really you're just trying to be heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked a lot um, about the idea of integrating activism into daily life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, as you can see, you, you, can, you can be both focused on that and take steps out sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then other people will take steps forward when you take steps out. It's like, it's like the tide, right? Um. And fandoms today, we talked about Star Wars, we talked about Hunger Games, and then we, we had a little bit of a, of a sadness journey into Harry Potter. Um, we sure did. And we also had a brief, um, not even so much an amuse-bouche, it was more like an allusion <laughs> to Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to really be paying attention to catch that. You would. And, and, and Seinfeld no, was, no spoon for you. was a great example of... I would say, like, Eastern European immigrant culture and also Jewish culture on the East Coast. Lacking, though, in any type of folk of color representation. Yeah, that's real. Which, you know, they're in New York City. Yeah. Like, come (laughs) come on, friends. Um, Do I still like Seinfeld? Yeah. And I can Mm -hmm. acknowledge... It's limitations. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point before we close out is that like we can we can spot problematic stuff in fandom and still love it. Yes. Beautifully said. You know, because I I'm going to mention Supernatural right now because we haven't mentioned it today. And it's sort of like, I don't know, a magic word that you have to say. Um <laughs> I I love I love Supernatural. There's so much that I love about it, and there is so much about it that is fucking problematic. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. both things are true. Like we're not going to do a deep dive into that right no. now, because because my heart can't take it. Right, we're just going to name that it's there, and mm-hmm. and that's part of what makes it such a great example of that you can love something while being aware and awake 
to its mm-hmm. problematic elements and limitations. And you can then use fan fiction and therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite those parts that you don't like. We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. We hope you're enjoying your new Adorno book. Join us for our next app on how to talk about politics without hurting yourself or others, which I'm looking forward to. (laughs) Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, live live long long and and prosper. prosper.